The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to this special two-part episode of Exploring Different Brains. What we decided to do was to take some of the highlight interviews of all the amazing interviews we did in the year 2017 with neurodiversity leaders from all over the world. We thought we would start out in the first episode with the neurodiverse inspirational interviewees themselves, starting off with the brilliant Dr. Stephen Shore. Yes, and I think what we need to consider is that if an autistic person is fulfilled and productive with their life, then that's a success. And for some of us, it might be serving as a university professor. For others, it might be at Microsoft. For others, it might be working at a car wash. Uh, for others, it might be fixing lawnmower engines. And whatever it is, if we get that match between interest and skill and ability, wherever it is, then we have the recipe for a fulfilling and productive life. And I think that's universal. It works for everybody, whether they're on the autism spectrum or not. David Grant. What, one of the things that I, that, I, that I bring to the brain injury community is an insider's voice. Um, I'm a lay person that has had um, an immense range of experiences. So we'll leave, the, we'll leave the moniker of experts for those that have a lot of initials after their name. But there are some things that, that have helped me immensely. Um, and they actually transcend a lot of different neuro conditions and dovetail very well for the uh, neurodiverse community. Uh, the first piece that was a game changer, and it's funny, but it's one that I um, advocate very highly for, is a support group. I am a huge believer in peer-to-peer -peer support. Um, it's hard, you know, for the first couple of months, I was totally alone in brain injury. And it's hard to say I'm unique when I'm sitting in a room full of 30 of my peers that all experience similar things. And within the peer-to-peer -peer support group um, environment, you're able to be in the association of those who have similar challenges. Although there is a saying, if you've seen one brain injury, you've seen one brain injury, but there are some common threads to a lot of what we, we deal with, memory loss, speech loss, um, loss of emo emotional filters. Um, uh, you know, the first year I would say just about anything to anyone, and that's a story unto itself. Uh, so that, that, that association with um, peers has been uh, just a game changer for me. Tom McGranahan. So when you have epilepsy, like with all kinds of other ailments, you realize to take different steps. They have to look at things in different ways to get your journey accomplished. But it doesn't mean you stop your journey. It means you just change it. You just look into it more about what's necessary, what steps to best get to the go-ahead with things. And that's why it's so good having family and others. And by the way, I blame my wife. I tell you, if it wasn't for her, I'd be dead by now. I wouldn't have to be paying my taxes. I wouldn't have to be brushing my teeth. I wouldn't have to do any of that stuff. <laughs> but it's a good problem to have. A lot of people with disabilities, it's the love and care of others that helps us through the times. And then when they see us staying strong, it helps them to stay strong. So it works both ways. It works both ways between each of us. Colin Eldred Cohen. Let's say I'm on the spectrum 
I haven't quite found my niche yet. What's the overall advice you would have for me? I would say keep trying, find something you really love, go for it, and find a good support network. Um, good support network of friends or family or mix because whether you know it or not, they will be helping you or whether they know it or not too. I mean, sometimes just you're with friends and that's when the best of you comes out. That's what I've found. Jessica, Tom. One of the things we really believe at 2 Biscuit is that you can use art um, to create change and to get people to think um, and perhaps think about things um, that they might otherwise find difficult or to challenge stereotypes. Um, Biscuit. And I had a really upsetting experience at the theatre um, um, several years ago Biscuit, when I was asked to move during the intermission because of the noises that I was making. Biscuit. And that was in a performance where I'd let the theatre know and I'd met the performer beforehand and he'd explained to the old, whole audience that I had to reps. But despite all that work, all that planning and all that thinking, I was still asked to move. And it was an incredibly humiliating and upsetting experience. Um, and I felt, I cried, I sobbed as I sat separately to everybody else in this sound booth. And it made me feel like the theatre wasn't a space that I could access because it was damaging for me. It made me want to never go to the theatre again. But rather than rather than doing that, I was supported to see that there was a different way. And instead, I found the only seat in the house. I wouldn't be asked to leave on the stage. And we created a show called Backstage in Biscuitland, which shares my journey with Tourette, which brings the surreal world of Biscuitland, which is the world that Tourette's creates around me to life. And most importantly shares the idea that if you make art and theatre inclusive, you make it better. You make it better art. You make it more interesting. You make it richer and you make it more dynamic. Dr. Temple Grandin. My mother had a really good sense of just how much to stretch me, to stretch me slightly outside my comfort zone so I'd keep learning and doing new things. Uh, it was her idea to have me go out to my aunt's ranch. Then after I'd done my aunt's ranch for two summers, she said, well, let's do something else. And we'll do the aunt's ranch for half the summer, and we'll do an internship at a research lab for the other half of the summer. Also, as an aide for a child with autism, another half of the summer. Always stretching. Never throw, she never threw me in the deep end of the pool, but always stretching and doing new things. I was hostess at her parties when I was seven, eight years old. She got me a sewing job when I was 13 years old. And when I went away to my boarding school, I, was, I ran the horse barn, cleaning stalls every day, putting the horses in and out, feeding the horses. And now when I look back on it, riding the horses is really fun. But actually the most important thing for my development was running the horse barn and learning how to work. Michael McManaman. One of the rules I set for myself in the last few years, which changed all of my adolescence and all those years I denied myself socialization. And here's a job reference. So I was the guy who in the office, when I packed my lunch, I put it in the staff lounge, and then they would come to me, all of the staff, and say, hey, we're going to lunch for Barb's birthday. Do you want to come? I didn't have any flexibility to do that. I knew I was eating that sandwich that I made, was in the refrigerator, and I didn't want to go because I would have to talk to people and everything and socialize. 
And what did that do? It handicapped me socially. It handicapped me as far as promotions. It did all those things. So I made a rule for myself in my older age. Someone says, do you want to come over to my house or do you want to do this? Or you want to go out to eat on Friday night or go to this concert? Unless I have an absolutely immediate, really important reason to say no, I say yes. And so I've grown so much in the last five years even just from doing that. So this is where you become a self-change agent. We have to teach our students to be able to do that for themselves. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.